I hope your Thanksgiving this last week was full of food, fun, and fellowship. I know that I had a good time. Um, Pastor Jeff, you may notice he's not here. He's on a well-deserved vacation, which means I've been asked to fill in, and I'm happy to do so. Before I begin, I'd like to say a quick prayer. Dear God, thank you for being good. We praise your name this morning. And I ask that you'd be with us in Lisbon and with those who are listening online. I would pray for your blessing today, and I would pray that you would draw us closer to you. I pray your word would be glorified this morning, and people would know you better. I pray for all of these things in the name of Jesus Christ, your son. Amen. So this morning, I am preaching from uh, my textbook. That's, this is the book that, I, you may have heard me say this before, but going to Trinity Bible College, this was a required textbook. I always thought that was the funniest thing. You've got to go to Bible College, sure, and you're, you've got to buy a, a Bible. Not just any Bible, it has to be this specific ESV Fire Bible. And uh, the reason I've got it in this case is because it, it's, it's kind of falling apart. Every day, in and out of my backpack for a, an entire semester, kind of, kind of tore it apart. And it wasn't until after that semester that I finally decided, oh, maybe I should probably protect this thing a little bit. So I, I put a case on it, and it's, it's, it's an excellent Bible. If you, it's, it's got excellent notes. Um, it was just the funniest thing to me, going to Bible college, buy, buying a textbook, the Bible. Um, and also, Trinity Bible College, it's amazing. If you have any interest in furthering your education or getting a strong biblical education, consider Bible College, Trinity, in Ellendale. Okay, enough about that. I'm done. Um, uh, to this morning, I'm going to be preaching on uh, repentance. I'm going to be preaching out of Psalm 51, verses 10 through 19. And those verses will be on the screen as I'm reading. But I'm also going to be re- referencing scripture from kind of all over the place. And I'm going to give the references to those verses, but I won't have them on the screen. And if you missed something, just let me know, and after the service, I can, I can pull some stuff up for you. Um, this is a message on repentance, but before you read Psalm 51, we need to get a little bit of context. So let's look, I'm going to go to 2 Samuel 12, 19, 9 through 15, and you don't have to turn there, but just listen as I read the passage. This will give us some context, and in, in this passage, Samuel is speaking to David. He says, Why have you despised the word of the Lord to do what is evil in his sight? You've struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and have taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house because you've despised me and taken, your, taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against you out of your own house, and I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor, and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of this son. For you did it in secret, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the son. David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, The Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. Nevertheless, because by this deed you have utterly scorned the Lord, the child who is born to you shall, shall die. And then Nathan went into his house. 
in that passage, the prophet Nathan was sent by God to rebuke David. David had sinned. The story is that of David and Bathsheba. You may be familiar with it. David had relations with Bathsheba, a married woman, and then she became pregnant. And then David orchestrated the death of Bathsheba's husband, Uriah. And this is sin. David had relations with a lady and and had her husband killed, a married woman. And as a result, we see that God sent his prophet Nathan to speak to David. Now, my Bible has a note that says, David, he had broken the sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, and tenth commandments all in one swoop. That's half of the commandments in one, in one go. Um, this is the king, the king of Israel, and he wasn't being a very good example. Nathan, who was following God's prompting, called David out, and that's what we just read. Afterwards, David wrote Psalm 51. Now, with that understanding of the background, we can now read Psalm 51, 10 through 19. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, Open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifice of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. And then you will delight in right sacrifices, in burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. After all the things David did, and he was called out by God on them, David writes this psalm that I just read. Now my Bible tells me in the heading of this psalm that he wrote it just after Nathan confronted him. David knew the law, and he knew God. He knew what he had done was wrong. Let's remember some of the first stories about David that tell us that David knew God and he had a relationship with him. 1 Samuel 16.13 tells us that after Samuel had anointed David with the horn of oil, the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. Later in verse 18, one of Saul's servants talks about David saying, the Lord is with him. And it's because that David knows God and David knows God's power that he can confidently face Goliath. This is what he says in 1 Samuel 17, 37. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. God refers to David when Samuel tells Saul that his kingdom will not continue. And God says, The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people. 1 Samuel 13, 14 That's that's from 1 Samuel 13, 14. And all of these scriptures, the ones I just referenced, tell us that David knew God. David had a relationship with God. He understood who God was, and he understood that what he had done was not correct, was was wrong. And I'll remember that. Remember, as we look at Psalm 51, David knew God. Now, before we go any farther, I want to just make sure that we're all on the same page. 
Um, I'm going to kind of mix up the order that a typical sermon would would be in, and I just have a, a question. I want to know if if you have a relationship with God, um, so that we can be on the same page as we're reading this psalm. We know David did, and so I'm going to give everyone here an opportunity. Maybe you're sitting here and you say, I don't know God. I've never, never uh, committed my life to him or anything like that. Today, right now, I'd like to give you a chance to do that. Did you know that as a result of God's love for you, he sent his son to die for our sins? This is, this is the gospel. This is, this is what it is, is. We're all sinners. We're bound for hell. But God loves us. And if we repent and if we believe, we'll have eternal life with him. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15.3, he says, For what I've received I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, who was Peter, and then to the twelve. Do you know God? Do you have a relationship with him? The Romans 10.9 tells us that if we confess with our mouths and believe with our hearts, we can be saved. Now, right now at the beginning of this service, I'd just like to give everyone an opportunity to recognize God. And this is usually done at the end of a service, um, but to better understand our text this morning, let's, let's do that now. What I'd like to do is just say a quick prayer. Um, it might take just a moment, but deciding to follow God is something that will change your life forever. If you want to have a relationship with God, you can pray in your heart something like this as I pray out loud. Let's, let's pray. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner, and I know that you've sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on my behalf. I pray that you would forgive me of my sins, and I invite you into my life as Lord. I pray that I would turn from my sinful ways and follow you for the rest of my life. You are my Lord, and I trust in you. Amen. Now, if you just prayed that prayer for the first time, hallelujah. Praise the Lord and welcome to the family of God. If you have any further questions, you can please talk to me, talk to any one of our board members, and we'd be happy to introduce you to a life with Christ. Also, if you want to know a little secret, um, the reason that the call to salvation is usually done at the end is because it's one of the most important things done in a service, and... Uh, technically we could all just leave. Jacob, I told you this was that, that time, so I'd appreciate it if we didn't because I do have a lot more to say. However, that's one of the most important things is offering salvation. And if all you hear from a pastor is the salvation, salvation message and a, the gospel and an opportunity to have a relationship with Christ, that pastor's done okay. However, I've been learning from Pastor Jeff that a good pastor not only does that, but he will also explain the scriptures. Nehemiah 8.8 8 reminds us that we should always be making it clear and giving it meaning. So I'd like to do that if you'd, join, if you'd stay with me a little bit longer. Let's look again at the scripture. Now we're ready. We know why David wrote the psalm. He's repenting after God called him out. We know when David wrote it. He wrote it right after his interaction with the prophet Nathan. And we understand that David had a relationship with God. 
and I've explained the context and given everyone an opportunity to believe so we can go back to our text and we can understand that there is joy to be had in our repentance. If we learn one other thing besides the gospel this morning, it must be this, that there is joy in our repentance. Looking at the text, Psalm 51, it says, Create in me a clean heart. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold with me a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. This leads me to my first point this morning. Repentance brings restored joy. In the first verses, David asks God to renew a right spirit within within him and to not take the Holy Spirit away from him, take his Holy Spirit from him. David's making sure that he's right with God again. Now, just recently, I, had, uh, I took a vacation. I went to Texas. Uh, my sister got married, and it was, it was amazing. Beautiful weather. And uh, flying down there, flying back, it was just excellent. And on the planes, I, I love riding in the planes. It's not something I do all the time. And the, the flight attendants, they always say the exact same thing. They say, uh, in, in, in the beginning of the plane ride, they say, uh, in the result of a loss of cabin air pressure, uh, mask will fall from the ceiling, Make sure that you secure your own mask before you can secure the, the mask of your neighbor. And then they say something like, if you don't see the bag inflating, just remember oxygen is still flowing. I always think that's the funniest thing. They always say, you know, help yourself before you help anybody else. I always wonder, like, okay, sure, obviously I'm going to help myself. But then on that plane ride, this just last this trip I was on, my six-year-old niece was sitting right beside me. And then I understood. How can I help her. She probably couldn't even reach the mask. How can I help her before I help myself? And that's what David was doing. He understands that. He gets it. We see David restoring his own relationship, his mask. He's restoring his relationship with God first. And then in verse 13, he's teaching others. He wants to restore his own situation first before he can help anybody else. And it makes sense if you think about it. Um, How can we lead anyone else to believe if we're not firm in our faith ourselves. And that's what David understands. In verse 12, the word joy that's used is a Hebrew word. It is uh, shashon. And the meaning is gladness, cheerfulness, and mirth. David's asking God to restore his cheerfulness, his gladness. If we ignore our sin, it will steal our joy. Remember last week when Pastor Jeff talks about the difference between happiness and joy. Happiness, he said, was circumstantial. It depends on what's going on around you, and joy isn't. Joy is with you regardless of your circumstances. David recognizes that his sin might have made him happy for a time, but he was missing joy. And through repentance, David is restoring his joy. And if you look at that passage we just read, there's also a theme of being baptized or empowered by the Holy Spirit. We see that starting in verse 11. David writes, renew a right spirit within me and take not your Holy Spirit from me. And we already know that the Holy Spirit was upon David. We saw that in 1 Samuel 16, 13. And this Holy Spirit presence upon David would be seen in David's descendants all the way through to Jesus. And in fact, Isaiah 11, 1 through 3, is a direct reference to this, saying that there's a shoot from the stump of Jesse. 
and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. If you don't know, Jesse is David's father. And so from Jesse comes David through the line of kings to Jesus. And this theme of empowerment doesn't stop right there. It actually goes, it's kind of throughout the entire, the entire Bible. I personally looked at like over 39 references. It actually starts in Exodus 31, 1 through 6, and it goes throughout the entire Bible. Moving on to the next few passages, we can read, starting in verse 14. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud, sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. In these passages, David, David here is asking God to deliver him from his blood guiltiness. The word blood guiltiness basically means guilt from the shedding of blood. And we re- remember we know it's Uriah's blood because we can see that God called out the murder. If we look at 2 Samuel 12.9, 12, 9, he says, You've struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword. David's repenting of this. He's asking to be delivered and then he will sing praise. And that's my next point. From repentance comes praise. David will sing aloud God's praise, and he'll declare God's praise. Verse 16 says that God doesn't delight in sacrifice. But what about all those laws found in Leviticus? You know, those ones where it says, if there's mold in a house, the priest has to come look at it. And then after a few days, the priest comes back, and if it's growing then the house is condemned. All those laws. There's sacrifices and laws that the Bible tells the Israelites they need to follow these things. So why does it say here that God doesn't delight in sacrifice? Well, David is showing wisdom in this, in this passage. He writes that he understands that obedience to the law isn't what God delights in. What's more important is having the right attitude when following law, the law to honor God. If we look at what Moses wrote in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5, he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. David understands that. And in fact, David, his predecessor, Saul, was reminded of this very thing by Samuel in 1 Samuel 15, 22. Samuel is calling out Saul after he didn't completely destroy all of the spoils from battle. Saul reasoned he could keep some of these things set to the side and then just offer them to God later. Well, in reality, God had told him to completely destroy all these things. Samuel replied, he said, Has the Lord great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than to sacrifice, and to listen than the fat of rams. This is actually the second time Saul gets in trouble for offering sacrifices, I'm not going to mention, read the next, the first time, but if you want to find it, it is in 1 Samuel 13, 8 through 10. But back to David, he made a mistake, but he understands what Saul didn't. Sacrifice for sacrifice's sake isn't pleasing to God. In verse 16 and 17 in Psalms, make this clear. It is interesting when you compare the two kings, David and Saul. 
each, each isn't perfect. Nobody's perfect. Jesus himself says no man is perfect, Mark 10, 18. No man is good except God alone. But these two, these two kings, they're called out by prophets. Samuel speaks to Saul, and Nathan calls out David. One repents, one writes Psalm 51, and the other one asks Samuel to pardon his sin in 1 Samuel 15, 25. The last time I checked, only God can forgive sin. I don't know, uh, I don't know what Saul was thinking. One king's rule ended shortly after, and one's king, one king's line lasted forever. To be clear, David's sin did have consequences. We know from Samuel, the passage in Samuel, uh, David's son died. Uh, but let me just ask you this, which king's example would you want to follow today? The word delight that David uses is a Hebrew word, kafetz, or kafetz. It's it, the meaning, one of the meanings is to be pleased with. Not only is God not delighting in sacrifice, but he's not pleased with it. And David knows that his heart needs to be made right before God, before any sacrifices can be made. And do you know who else was bringing things to God and not pleasing God? The Pharisees. If we look in the New Testament, we can look at Matthew fifteen five. The Pharisees would deny their elderly parents money that was specifically that had been specifically set aside for them, and they would just bring it to the temple. Uh, instead, the money instead of giving it to their parents, they would they would say it's given to God. Uh, what they would do is they would bring the money, they'd bring it into the Pharisees at the temple, and then the Pharisees in the temple would that would just give they would give them well they would get wealthy off of that, probably taking a little bit off the top, and then they would distribute it as they saw fit. So they were basically empowering and making themselves look important. Jesus calls them out on this practice and saying that they're avoiding the commandment to honor their father and mother. The Pharisees are giving it to God, but their heart isn't in the right place. And that's what Jesus is saying. And David, and David is acknowledging that his heart isn't in the right place, and he's trying to fix that. And only then will God be delighted in the sacrifice. Let's move on to the last two verses in this chapter in my little final point. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in right sacrifices, in burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. David was the king, and as king, he failed God. And he knew his actions would have consequences, not only for him, but as he's the king for the entire kingdom. Thus, he asks God to do good to Zion. Uh, the Hebrew word, he says, do good to Zion in your good pleasure. And that pleasure, in the word in Hebrew, is ratzon, which means delight, favor, or goodwill. A restored joy and a right heart with God will please God, which is my final point. God delights in our repentance. God will delight in a restored sinner. Verse 19 tells us that God will delight in sacrifices after our hearts are restored to him. In David's day, sacrifices are still offered on the altars. Uh, We know that Jesus, he's the ultimate sacrifice, but his time hasn't come yet. And so David knows he'll still need to make sacrifices in Jerusalem. 
The key, though, is to have a restored relationship and a heart made right with God, and then God will delight in the sacrifice. Our restoration and repentance will bring joy to God. My first point was that repentance restores our joy. Secondly, I said that out of repentance, we'll praise God. Finally, I note that our repentance brings joy to God, which I'll emphasize the main point this morning is that there is joy to be had in our repentance, joy for us and joy for God. So, so how do I conclude this morning? Remember, I've already offered an opportunity to accept Jesus. There's not much more I need to say. But how about just a few questions? Is there joy in your life? Uh, could there be more? Are you offering praise to God with a contrite heart or simply out of a sense of duty or a duty or, or habit? Uh, are you pleasing God with everything in your life? Um, Acts 3.19 reminds us, repent therefore and turn again that your sins may be blotted out. And I'd like just to end with a prayer this morning and then after the prayer, I'd just offer a time of response. You can stay in your seats, you can come to the altars. Uh, I'm not immune myself to this message of repentance and in fact I'll be judged more harshly. James 3.1 reminds us that those who teach will be judged more harshly. Um, I'd just like to say a prayer and then at the amen, you're free to go. But if you'd like to spend some time in prayer, the altars are open or stay in your seats. Um, you're welcome to spend some time with God. Let's pray. Dear God, you are holy and mighty and we praise your name. We thank you for your endless grace and mercy. We know you sent Jesus to die for our sins and that your love is everlasting. Help us to bring you joy, not only in our salvation, but in our repentance to you. I pray that we would hold your word in our heart and remember that there is joy in our repentance. You are great and you are good. And we praise your name. Amen.